The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to Beside Still Waters. Glad you could join me again today. And uh, we're going to continue our conversation about the uh, Blue Sky Chronicles and uh, the ministry and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ and uh, trying to get a fresh view uh, from the standpoint of the Son of God, being that he was perfect and uh, God incarnate, walking in a sin-cursed cosmos, and yet looking at all the events that fill the hearts and minds of men who are, uh, if you will, infected by that natural state of rebellion, sin, that we have inherited from our forefathers coming and starting from Adam right up until our loving fathers. So here we are again, and we are looking at three exercises in the spiritual life, three very important exercises, I might add, and that is giving, praying, and fasting. And each of these spiritual disciplines reveals something about us to ourselves and uh, the type of walk, the type of uh, uh, the outward Christian walk that we have. And, and many times we fail to, to uh, be uh, circumspect, to look at ourselves, to, if you will, draw a, a circle around ourselves and really examine ourselves, our lives, our conduct, our believing, our giving, praying, fasting, in view of the examples of uh, the apostles and especially the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, in view of the teachings of Scripture. And I think these three disciplines are of great value and critical to the progress of a Christian. Have you ever tested the notion of God responding to you. I want you to think about this for a moment. Because when people think of God, they, they conceptualize this being that's way out there somewhere. And, uh, and very often we fail to give or pray or fast because we don't see, number one, value in it. And uh, often we disregard the promises that the Spirit of God has given concerning God's response to these disciplines. Now, let me be clear. It's not just the exercise of the discipline in and of itself, but the spirit, the mindset with which the discipline is exercised. This is critical, and this is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I think one of the most important uh, uh, truths in the scriptures is that 
God, the living God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is responsive. He is responsive. Throughout the Old Testament and certainly into the New, we have a plethora of circumstances with within the lives of real people when he either commanded to do or not do and they did or not did in response to that command and he responded to their response to his command. Uh, it really comes down to so simple uh, uh, an equation. But the greatest feature, the greatest fact, the greatest truth, the greatest testable truth is that God responds. And what is more amazing is that the Lord Jesus gives us the context within which God will respond favorably. So I want you to think about what we are talking about. The three greatest testable disciplines in the Christian life is giving, praying, and fasting. And to each of those disciplines, the Spirit of God has committed the triune God to dedicate himself to responding by granting the desired thing as a reward. Okay? Now, I know there might be some thinking to themselves, well, I can ask anything that I want. No. You can ask anything that you want that is befitting the nature, the high calling, the holiness of the relationship that has been established with the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ based on the promises of the Word of God. So, with respect to giving, why do I give? Is there any good in exercising myself with this spiritual practice, this discipline? And number two, how can this discipline validate a response by God? So, by jumping into this first, wrapping our minds around this first discipline, we will discern whether or not we are walking by sight or walking by faith. And uh, Jesus begins to address giving of alms. In fact, he says in chapter 6 of Matthew's gospel, uh, to take heed not to do your alms before men. And here's the operative set of words, to be seen of them. And here's the key. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in the heavens. So Jesus says himself a long discourse and just drives the issue home succinctly. 
if you give with the desire to be seen of men, number one, you lose your reward with God who is in the heavens. And he calls him our father. So there is a level of intimacy that has been established. We lose that reward. So the question is, why are you, why am I giving? The instant I want people to see how and what I give, at that very instant, I lose the reward that I wanted to obtain. The purpose of giving has lost its saltiness. (laughs) The effect that giving would have had before God has been quenched, if you will. Men have seen it because I wanted them to see, but that reward that I wanted, I have forfeited. And the reward that I get is people seeing me. It's really a very simple equation. Once they've seen me, the reward is gone. The expectation is lost. So I want to ask myself, well, when that way of thinking consumes me, I am not walking by faith. I'm actually walking by sight. And now these are terms that are bantered back and forth in Christian circles, walking by faith, walking by sight. And and people have a, a variety of explanations. This is such a simple explanation that it beggars description. I'm giving for the glory of God, for the purposes of God to be carried out, for the work of God. But the intent of my heart is I want my brothers and sisters or whomever to see that I'm giving, how much I'm giving, the manner in which I'm giving. I'm, ex- I'm essentially uh, 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 having a parade go before me so that they would notice me. And at that very instant, I have exactly what I wanted. That is, I want glory from men. I want men to say, man, what a, what a guy. You know, look at how he gives. Look at what he gives. Look at how much he's given. No one gives like him or her. And this is what Jesus addresses. He says, if you're giving alms and you're sounding a trumpet before you, whether in the synagogue, in the gathering places of of, of of devotees in the streets only to obtain glory from men, wanting men to, to uh, give you accolades for what you've done. You've got your reward. That's it. That's all you wanted. You wanted them to see. Now they've seen. You might go home thinking to yourself that, you know, God is pleased because I've done the will of God. I have news for you. <laughs> the salt has just lost its saltiness The light that was intended to bring glory to God as it shines in the heavens in a dark place has been covered because of bad motives. I wanted to be seen. I'm walking by sight. 
I can look around and see that people are noticing. I can hear their comments. They may come to me and say, boy, that was great. You know, you've given such and such, whether of time or resources or whatever. And so this is what I'm living for. I'm actually walking by sight. I can see the immediate result of what I wanted, which is for people to recognize me and to acknowledge what I've done. But if I'm walking by faith, now this is a, this is a major shift, not only in thinking, but in conduct and in motive. If I'm walking by faith, then I shift from expecting and wanting men to see, and this is important, I am deferring to a future time frame to receive my recompense. I am deferring to a future time frame to receive my recompense. Now, let me just clarify here. The receiving of my recompense, of my reward for giving, may not come for several days or weeks or perhaps months. And it may come back in a different form. Or I may have to wait until that day that I or you appear at the judgment seat of our Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, to receive rewards, to have our works tested, the works that we've done in the body while serving the Lord Jesus Christ. But when I'm walking by faith, it becomes irrelevant whether or not I or you have been recognized by people. In fact, they may not even say anything. But I have prepared my heart to defer the receipt of my recompense because I'm trusting exactly what the Lord Jesus says. He says, when you do your alms, don't let your left hand know what your right hand does. I mean, that's, that's extreme secrecy. But here's the key. Here's the promise. So that your alms may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will render it to you, will recompense you, will reward you. Now, it's rather interesting. It is as though the giving has to be in a certain context because only in that context, i.e. the secret context, only in that context will God see recognize and respond. So we are given a picture about the nature of God and the fact that God is a living God and thirdly, the fact that he will respond. But if I don't believe this, I'm going to defer the future receipt of recompense for the immediate gratification that people have seen and they recognize me and they bless me with their words and they Speak of me to others. Look at how much he has given and what he gives and, and, and when he gives. And, and all, I become an example to everyone of what, what a good giving Christian is. But God's perspective of a good, faithful 
giving Christian is one who is very secretive about their giving. Now, there are other scriptures that deal with the subject of being liberal in our giving, not stingy, not tight-fisted, but that's not this. This is the context that God responds to. Giving with such secrecy, with such care to be circumspect in it that figuratively speaking, not, all, not even my right hand, my left hand knows what my right hand is doing and they're both attached to my body. Why? Because my objective is for God to respond. The key, the operative thought, the, the, the germ of this issue of giving is that God is a living God who responds when I give in such a way that I want him to see it. And what's so amazing is that I've done it in secret, but he renders it openly. The thing desired by virtue of my giving is granted openly, in sight. And giving and praying and fasting are all tied together because all three have this promise attached that when done secretly, God renders openly. So when it comes to giving, we are provided self-revelation. The giving moments reveal to me what I'm living for. What are my priorities? The giving moments reveal to me what my perspective on money and or resources are to the work of God. My giving moments reveal to me the value that I place on men's approval versus God's approval. I can either have glory of men or perform it in such secrecy, such um, uh, being careful to hide my motives from men, but to make it fully exposed to God so that when he sees me doing it in secret, he will render it to me. If I'm engaged, and here's the challenge, if I'm engaged in giving money or resources, the act is completed, and I want to underline in your thinking and mind, when I want men to see and recognize me. It's completed. That is, if my objective is for men to see, the only reward I will get is the fact that they have seen. And that action, that giving, dies right at that point. It goes no further. It doesn't reach heaven. But the Lord Jesus is presenting another option. I can, like the hypocrites, get it now. Or I can defer to a certain guaranteed response by the living God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, recompensing my secrecy. And when I defer the receiving of that glory, 
at that very instant, I am walking by faith. To defer with a future expectation from God is an example, a revelation to myself. I am walking by faith. And what is the promise? Well, you find the promise in Luke chapter 6, I believe, verse 38. He says, given it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall be given into your bosom. So my exhortation is to master the art of hiding your giving from men and master the art of showing God in a secret place. But we go on, go on to praying. This one I love, I love. (laughs) Because uh, he talks about the hypocrites that they pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street so that they should appear to men to be praying. And he says, again, they have, at that instant, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, enter into your chamber, shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret. And I love this. God is waiting in that secret place, that quiet place, that place beside still waters, waiting to meet with you and me. And he says, your father who sees in secret will render it to you. Of course, he goes on to talk about vain repetitions and so forth. But that's, that's not the, the, the purpose of our conversation today. God, if I want my reward at that very moment, God has not heard the prayer. You know, sometimes we ask ourselves, you know, I don't feel like God is hearing my prayer. You know, and I've, people have told me that. You know, I don't know if God is hearing me. Well, it necessitates some self-examination, and, and we'll address this at a future date. But right now, this, this is the starting point. Who do I want to hear this prayer? If no one ever knows that I pray, but the only time I pray is in secret, waiting on God, waiting for God, reminding him of his promises. One of them I love is in Psalm 50. He says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. So when I have troubles, call and keep on calling. And God promises deliverance. But when we get it, let folks know it was God and God alone. But we're going to come to a promise around praying. But the instant we want people to recognize that we are praying, to see us praying, to position ourselves, whether you know in our gatherings of, of, of local believers or wherever, maybe we're out in the park and we want to see people to see that you know we, 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 we're visibly you know, and audibly praying and they can hear us, at that instant, God does not hear. The prayer is falling on deaf ears, except for those who are observing. And again, as in giving, God allows us to choose the outcome of our praying. Get the result now, walking by sight, or forego for future date an answer from God walking by faith. Hypocrites are not interested in getting answers from God. They're interested in letting people see them. 
Hypocrites are not interested in pleasing God by walking, by living, by praying in this manner, in secret, in private, for God to meet with you and you with him. Just think, my friend, the hand that governs every detail of this universe is willing to meet with you privately. Shut your door. Prayer is an us event. God and me, to alter that sacred meeting is sacrilege. Why? Because it must be done in private, in your chamber. Shut your door. That's a physical act. Separate yourself from people. Pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will render it to you openly. The notion of how God represents himself is changed because God is not just God, but he is Father. The Spirit of God is highlighting something for us. He is our Father. And so with giving and praying and fasting, it is a Father that's meeting with his child. It's a sacred meeting. It's an intimate time. And what you do with this time tells you, tells your heart, reveals to you whether you are walking by faith or walking by sight. My friends, this is an enormous challenge because beside still waters is, is provided to encourage believers everywhere, regardless of their maturation level in the faith, to walk with God. And you are now giving an opportunity to yourself to see just what you are made of. Are you interested in people seeing you? Or are you interested in meeting with God? It's just that simple. And what's so challenging about it is you can't see God. You've got to believe the promise that when you close that door behind you, when you whether you might be out in a park and you find a very quiet place where there's no one to see and hear, at that point... You either believe that God is meeting with you, and if you are convinced in your heart he is, my friend, there's no other ear that needs to hear but his because there's no one that can bring to pass the thing you're asking of God that requires the grace and mercy and power of God to give an affirmative answer. So here's the challenge. Have God see your praying in secret. God only recognizes the act when it's done in secret. Verse 4, 6, and 8 for uh, giving and praying and fasting identifies that. He will only respond if it's done in secret. He will only respond when it is done in secret. And what is said in secret before my heavenly Father is granted in public. This is one of the greatest discoveries of the Christian life, my friend. God hears and answers prayer. You can validate and prove this for yourself in your life. This is testable. I'm speaking of 40 plus years of testing the limits If there are really limits, because the Lord Jesus says, for example, in John 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it that the Father might be glorified. I mean, there's some carte blanche promises that are given that are so magnanimous, so grand, it beggars description. 
And so when these practices are performed in a way that is prescribed by the Spirit of God, and we persevere in it, and we relish in it, and I want to underline for your thinking, until the answer comes. We stay with the discipline until the answer comes. In fact, the promise is given in Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. And then later on, he says, for everyone that asks, receives. Ask, and it shall S-H-A-L-L, ask and it shall be given you. In the original languages, it is ask and keep on asking. Keep praying until the answer comes. Do not stop. Oh, there's so many stories I'd love to tell. One day we'll sit down with a cup of coffee together and we can talk about how God has answered prayers how long we labored before him and reminded him of his great and precious promises. And of course, we come to fasting and he says the same thing. It's like a reiteration again. He says, when you fast, don't be as the hypocrites, downcast in their countenance, they disfigure their faces so that they may appear to men to be fasting. I want people to see I'm fasting. And what does he say? They have their reward. The minute, the instant you want someone to see and they've seen reward lost. Prayer not heard. Giving not recompensed. They have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you may not appear to be fasting. Don't let men know you are fasting. Now, don't get me wrong. You may, you may covenant with another brother or sister to pray and fast with me about a particular challenge or problem or need. That's different. Or maybe between husband and wife, uh, as uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 7 says, that you want to give yourself to prayer and fasting for a specific time. So you, you agree with your spouse to forego uh, intimate relations that you might give yourself to prayer and fasting. But it has to be with consent. So there are times that you might say to someone, but in this particular context, all you want, all I want, is for people to see that I'm engaged in these practices. And if I go in, if I, if I exercise myself in these disciplines with the intention of people seeing and, and patting me on the back and giving me accolades, I've lost my reward. I've lost my recompense. The prayer is not heard. I've wasted my time. But he says, if I do it in secret, then my father who sees in secret shall render it to me. Same promise all over again. And, and I want to say this to you. You know, you might ask, well, what is the purpose of fasting, really? And I've been asked this question before. And Isaiah 58, the third to the 11th verse, gives a real concise purpose for fasting. Now, I realize nowadays people fast for, you know, health reasons and so forth, and I'm not addressing that. Fasting is typically uh, melded with praying, number one, based on Isaiah 58, to cause your voice to be heard on high. It becomes like a megaphone to the request. It really pushes it out there and it pushes it with volume and it pushes it with verve and it pushes it with energy. Cause your voice 
to be heard. Afflict one's soul. Bow one's head. It weakens you. It is creating a discomfort. But it lends spiritual energy to the request that we have presented before God. To put it in the vernacular, it confirms that you mean business with God. You're not just praying. Paul calls it a combat, a warfare, a wrestling. Like Jacob, before he met Esau, he would not let the angelic being, if you will, who was a uh, personification of the Son of God himself. It is a means of breaking spiritual strongholds. I hesitate to use that, that term because it's used in a, a variety of, of, of contexts that, that may not be spiritually positive and accurate. But if one is dealing with besetting sins, <laughs> attitudes, mindsets, ways of thinking, a time of separating with prayer and fasting is God's prescribed way of breaking that shackle on one's mind and being. It causes your voice to be heard on high. <laughs> it strengthens your voice. It breaks spiritual strongholds in one's life. But you ask yourself, what is required? Well, it's, what's required is I need to look normal. I need to be groomed. People ought not to know I'm fasting. Anoint myself. You know, put on the conditioner. <laughs> Comb your hair. Make sure your clothes are, well, you know, ironed. <laughs> look appropriate. <laughs> no one will know that you, you've been fasting for a day or two or five. But if need be, you could take a day or two off from work to exercise yourself and no one would know and you do so in private even better. But the promise, is sure, the promise is sure. Your voice will be heard. So where do we go from here? Well, here's where we go from here. Giving. Praying. Fasting. All of these are exercises, spiritual exercises, that God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, will respond if they are performed in private, in secret, for him, for his eyes to see. Secondly, my friend, we are given the assurance by the Spirit of God that we will receive a response from God, albeit it might be deferred for a future date, a future time, but we're going to receive a response and we need to persevere in that exercise. Thirdly, and this is so important, we see our hearts. You know, this time of, of meeting God beside still waters, is really an opportunity for us to see our hearts. What are my priorities? 
is walking with God of value such that I devote myself to this? Not just going to church, but a meeting with God, a growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It becomes an opportunity for self-revelation. It tells me what I'm living for, what are my priorities. It reveals to me my perspective on money and time and the presence of God and the value of his word and his great and precious promises. As Peter says, unto us are given great and precious promises that by these promises you you, my friend, and I might be a partaker of God's divine nature, a participant in the divine work and presence of God, a fellowshipping with God, a dynamic relationship, a touching of the hand that governs the universe. There is no greater privilege than this. None. For a human being to prove that God is and that he's a very present help in time of trouble, that he hears and answers prayer, and that he answers with specificity, which tells me every time he answers prayer that God is alive. He's in my life. I'm walking with him. I know I have, like Enoch, this testimony that I please him. Oh, my friends, I appeal to you. Set time aside to get quiet in the presence of God. As we say often on this podcast, (laughs) meet God beside still waters. And in my giving and praying and fasting, I'm willing to forego to sacrifice people's approval. And the challenge to all of us Every one of us, regardless of how long we have been walking this path, to seek with all our hearts to please Him. In fact, we are told in Ephesians 5.1 that as beloved children, <laughs> as beloved, you know, I, I love very often uh, uh, when, when, when the, uh, the, uh, the apostolic writers really you know, hone in on a specific thought. But he says in, in chapter 5 and verse 1, Be you therefore imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, even as the Christ loved us and delivered himself up for us, an offering, here it is, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet aroma. I want my life to be pleasing to God, like an aroma, like a perfume. Oh, you know, I tell you this short story. Sometimes when I'm walking through the malls, in certain malls, I I would go through the the perfume section, the cologne section for men, and I would get this, they would give you these little strips of, of, you know, like uh, carbon paper, uh, fairly stiff, and you would just spray a little little bit of the the fragrance on it, and, and, you know, you... You, you just you can you can capture just what it smells like, and I would just write on the back of it what what the name of that cologne was because I just enjoy a fragrance. Well, guess what? God, when we devote ourselves to living as He asked us, especially with these disciplines, our life becomes an aroma. Oh, my dear friends, let us encourage one another to live in an aromatic way for God. (laughs) To give 
out of a heart of love and appreciation for him to be pleased, but to be seen in secret, to close our doors behind us because we desire to meet him beside still waters and, and bring our requests to him, to bless his name, to let him know our needs, and if need be, to, to humble ourselves and forego a meal or two for a day or two that we might lend strength to our voice, that we might raise our voices heavenward. And it's not far because he says, when I close the door to my chamber, the living God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, will with me meet in that quiet, sacred, private place. Oh, my friends, let us endeavor to meet him there as we take our usual stroll beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.